0: This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views
1: and debate from England's second tier.
0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. I'm your host Elliot Jackson and I am joined as always by George Smith. George, how are you doing?
1: Not bad, mate. Not bad. How's things with you?
0: Yes, good thank you. Um, Grimsby won at the weekend, Wednesday won at the weekend, so happy days for me. Um, always a, makes a good Saturday. What about yourself? What have you been up to?
1: Not a lot, to be honest, working away as usual. Other than that, not a lot, my friend. Can't uh, Can't say my life's been filled with too much excitement this week.
0: Oh dear. I'm sure you had fun, though, watching Man United collapse against Aston Villa on Saturday night. I had it on, in the radio on my way back from Grimsby.
1: Mm, slightly amusing, shall we say.
0: But more importantly, it was a, a, a ginormous weekend in the Championship. We've got so much to go through, uh, nine games in total to get our teeth into. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this pod and lots of good stuff to get into. So quick reminder to make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at champchatpod24. And as always, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts from in all your usual platforms. Search the Championship Chat Podcast and we will pop up right there for you. So, as always on on this week's podcast, we're going to be looking at the busy talking points from this weekend. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. And we're going to start this week's podcast with the early game on Saturday, where Luton Town and Bournemouth played out an absolute cracker with the Hatters winning 3-2 in dramatic circumstances. What a game this was. I mean... I could have started with about four different games this week. There was there was some real selections, but I had to go for this just for the pure drama of the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Luton started the game really well, really bright. They they you know they really came out the traps. They've had obviously quite a few games called off because of COVID in the last month, um, and we've seen a few teams come back a little bit sluggish. And it's actually the teams that have been playing that have had a bit of an, av- an advantage or seem to have anyway. But Luton came raring out for this one, um, took a two goal lead. Really, really good goal for Campbell for the second one. And then, of course, Bournemouth worked their way back into it and we'll come on to them in a minute. But the scenes at the end, Naismith, it's the the drag back. Oh, my word. He sends Jamal Lowe for a hot dog, sends him all the way back to Swansea. And it's a fantastic finish. And I I hesitate to call it, say, it's a fantastic finish from a centre-back. Because although he's been playing centre-back for Luton, he can play midfield, he can play on the wing, he can play full-back. Um Cal Naismith can do a job wherever he is. Your your archetypal uh, archetypal uh, utility man. He can, he can play anywhere. And it was sublime, so much quality. It's the drag back, it just it just makes it so good. Ninety fifth minute and the celebrations from Nathan Jones and all the, the coaching staff as well. Just brilliant. It's why we love the championship. What a great game. Um and Luton, in their minds, will be think they would, you know, well deserved winners.
1: Yeah, absolutely, a terrific advert for Championship football. It really was, and capped off with a, a sensational goal, a sensational uh, point in the game to win it. And Spark, as you said, amazing scenes right at the very end with Nathan Jones doing a me slide down the touch line. The, the players going absolutely berserk. James Shea ran all the way from the Luton goal to join in with the celebrations. It was just a. It was just one of those moments where everybody connected with the football club in question just absolutely loses the plot. And, and rightfully so. It was a big win for Luton and one that I would argue they deserved. I thought they kept going right to the very end and never let their heads drop, despite having squandered a 2-0 advantage. And like you say, the the winner from Cal Naismith is just sublime, isn't it? It's it's an outstanding piece of skill to, to, like you say, send Jamal Lowe basically all the way back to Swansea. It was It was remarkable and what a strike as well. It was just a remarkable goal and for Luton now, that just gives them a huge boost moving forward because they come into that game with a a decent little of form in their sales, even though they've they've not been able to play many games in recent weeks. It must be said that was only their second league game since the 4th of December for Luton. I couldn't believe they
0: came into the game
1: 16th, purely out
0: of not playing.
1: That's the thing, they've not played for so long, but... Even though they've obviously had big gaps between games, they're unbeaten now in in league and cup in four games. They've won two out of two this calendar year so far in the FA Cup and the league, scoring seven. So they've started the new year in good form, in good fashion, and scoring goals. So Nathan Jones seemingly is beginning to turn the tide at Luton again and get them climbing after a, after a little stuttering period with the last three and four between the beginning of November and the start of December. So they are beginning to turn things around again, but to have beaten a Bournemouth side that we know. They've not quite been at the levels that we saw at the start of the season, but we know what they're capable of. And to have beaten them, especially when they've been pegged back to 2-2, shows great character and great belief within that Luton dressing room. And to have have done that deserves huge credit. And like you say, what a way to win it. Terrific goal, terrific strike. And notable mention, too, to, to Campbell for his goal in the first half. That was certainly a clean strike as well, really well taken. It was just a a brilliant game of championship football and one that essentially just summed up what life in this division is really like for anybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to be clear, I think this game was very much Luton won this because they were really good rather than Bournemouth being bad. I think we've seen Bournemouth's levels have dropped off. um, Certainly before Christmas, uh, they did for, for a good month or so. But a couple of good wins Bournemouth had since then. They've been better this was not the wheels coming off of Bournemouth like we saw last month. This was Luton playing really well, really even game, um, and not a lot on it. I thought Bournemouth did really well to fight back and get themselves back in the game. Um, Jack Stacey did so well for for Mark as header um, back, obviously at his former club at Kenilworth Road. And I thought Bournemouth were decent, and I thought that some some of the passages of play were really nice. And um, the build up for Morgan Rogers' goal as well was really good, and he's someone I would like to see a little bit more of. I thought after playing so well on loan at Lincoln last year and then Bournemouth buying him permanently, I thought Rogers would play a little bit more than he has, especially with Brooks, of course, being ill and unavailable. But we've not seen a lot of him, so hopefully this can kick-start him or maybe even get him out on loan later in the month. We'll see how that develops. But I want to see him play football because him, he was not quite as good as Brennan Johnson for Lincoln last year, but he was a really important part of that Lincoln team and he's not really had the, the platform to, to continue that momentum. And... The only thing I would say from Bournemouth's point of view, I think the, the midfield balance wasn't quite right. And I don't really know why, because when you look at Cook, Lerma and Marcondes, which was the three that they had with Philip Billing out and unavailable, you'd think that's, you know, there's nothing obvious to say the balance would be wrong. Marcondes, the more attacking of the three, Lerma and Cook as usual in there. But I think they really missed the the physicality and the the height almost of uh, Philip Billing and his ability to hold on to the ball to relieve pressure. And I think especially in those opening Stages that first, you know, 20 minutes or so when Luton were so on top, they couldn't get out Bournemouth. And he's actually a really good outlet to hold the ball and move them, get them through the lines and up the pitch. So I think that that was a missing for Bournemouth. But otherwise, really good game. Luton deserved it and a fantastic advert for Championship football. Fulham six, Bristol City two. I don't really know. You know, it must have been a good game if this isn't the one that's starting us off. (laughs) What a game at Craven Cottage. The Cottages are now netted. Thirteen goals in the last two matches after winning seven 0 midweek away at Reading, roaring back into form after a, a fair few draws around the Christmas period. Mitrovic with another hat trick. Uh, I mean, we don't want to gloss over that, and I say that, you know, I say that with a tone in my voice is like shock horror that he scored another three. But I do want to go in on Cabano for me. He was the star man in this one, although Mitrovic just bullied the Bristol City defence so good in the air. Um, but Cabana was excellent. He should have had a hat trick himself. He probably missed the easiest chance of the of the three that he had. I mean, that that's this I think it was his second goal where the ball loops over his head and he brings it down and just levers it into the opposite corner. Plus past O'Leary. Fantastic goal. And I think Fulmer just gonna score the way out of this division, if I'm honest. I thought defensively certainly there was moments where I thought they looked pretty poor. I mean, Tom Cairn, he's not a, a defender, but he got done by Semenya for the goal that was at the near post, which Rodak should have done better for. And then Tim Ream just got bullied by Semenya for the second goal as well. So defensively, I think they still need to improve and I still think that they are a centre-back short, certainly for the Premier League. I think Adorabayo is good enough, but I think... For me, I don't really understand the obsession with Tim Ream. Fulham always seemed to go back to him in the Championship. I don't think he's that good. I think Hector's better. I would play Hector and Adorabayo as my two centre-backs personally. But um, he's done well, there's no doubt. But he did get brushed off and show his, his age and his pace a little bit for that one. But Fulham were brilliant. Mitrovic, so good in the air. and um, They highlighted this on question. I think it was a good point and something I'd like to raise is just the the subtlety of his physicality. Whereas in previous years, when he was a bit younger, he would get a bit overzealous and he, he would make his shoves a little bit more obvious and you know leaning on defenders but, but giving away free kicks. Whereas now, his movement's a lot more subtle um, and it's helping him to beat defenders in the air and, and not give away obvious fouls. So that that was evident and he, he was just fantastic. And Fulham, 13 goals, I saying two games, they're going to score the way out of this division.
1: It's just ridiculous, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, to, to be able to score goals by the lorry load the way Fulham are and Mitrovic is on his own is, is sensational. And a couple of stats for you now that are going out on the podcast later today and tomorrow, so a bit bit. Very exclusive just for you, Elliot. Wow, thank you. Mitrovic now, the only player in Europe's top five leagues, plus the EFL, to have been involved in more than 30 goals this season already. Fulham, the first team in Championship history to have scored 60 goals by this stage of a Championship season. It just what? is remarkable, isn't it? I mean, how do you sum up this Fulham side? They they had that little bit of a wobble in... in toward the end of November and in December when they lost to Sheffield United and were held to four consecutive draws. But they started the new year with an absolute bang. I mean, 7-0 in midweek, 6-2 at the weekend. It's just ridiculous. Mitrovic, five goals and two assists in those two games. It is unbelievable. It really is. And it is just impossible to think that any of the teams chasing promotion, such as your Blackburns, your Bournemouths, your West Brom, your QPRs, are going to be capable of scoring goals on such a level. Yeah, it's just becoming ridiculous, really, when you think about it, this Fulham side now. You, you look at the the ruthlessness of them and the clinicality about them. I, I I can't recall a team in Championship history taking teams to the cleaners as much and as often as this. It's now eight times in this season that they've scored four or more in a game. It's just its ridiculous, that, the fact that they're able to do this on such a degree and so consistently as well. They've won two games 7-0 since the third of November away from home. And if they'd have hit seven yesterday, it was kinda it was playing on my mind a little bit. I thought if they'd have scored seven yesterday, they would have actually scored seven in each of their three kits this season. That's the only bit that's <laughs> let them down. Scored it in the black, scored it in the yellow at Blackburn, and then six in the white yesterday. Unbelievable. So they've still got a chance, and let's be honest, with the way they're going, you wouldn't rule it out. It's just absolutely unbelievable and the way that they've They've bounced back after that stuttering period that they had just before Christmas. It is remarkable. I mean, thirteen goals in two games. It, it is mad, absolutely mad. But big credit to Fulham. Um, like you said, Cabano was probably, despite even though Mitrovic getting the hat trick, was probably the pick of the bunch against Bristol City. And the way he's he's turned his Fulham career around has been has been pretty good. Because let's not forget, he spent time alone at Middlesbrough last season. He's come back in this time around, seven goals, five assists. And considering you think about what Fulham have got across that front line, Wilson, Cavalero, knockart remember him? What's a
0: what's, a, knock, thought... what's a
1: knockout? <laughs> you you wouldn't have thought that it would be The, Cabano, the strength in depth it?
0: they've got is ridiculous when you think Cavallero's nowhere near the team. I think he's injured in fairness at the minute, but he's not played that regularly when he's been available. Bobby Reed's not really getting a kick at the minute. That that front three behind Mitrovic of Wilson, uh, Cavalio and um Cabano is definitely their first choice. And it's great to see Tom Kearney back as well. You know, he's really starting to dictate play. Um him and Harrison Reed in, in the base of midfield with with Sarri Away at the African Cup of Nations, I think that them as a pair have been really, really good.
1: Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous the strength and depth that they've got all over the park. I mean, right the way through from the defence to up front, it's it's frightening. And let's be honest. On paper, this is a side that should that should be getting promoted. It should be, and after a bit of a blip, it seems like they're over now. The, they've bounced back in terrific fashion, and like I say, thirteen goals in two games. It's just It's absolutely unbelievable and it's just impossible to think that they couldn't do it again this season in terms of scoring like a lorry load five, six or seven in a game. Because you just fear whenever they've got a chance, whenever Mitrovic is on song, that they are going to score goals. And like I say, Mitrovic this season now, it's just ridiculous. 34 direct goal involvements in 24 games. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. He is a cheat code at this level, but he's worked for it. He's playing well for it and he deserves it. So you can't deny him that now. And it's it's now 80 goals and 156 appearances for Fulham for him now. So he really wow. is making himself at home at Craven Cottage. And let's be honest, when he first went there on loan, I don't think many would have expected him to, to bang them in like he has done. But I still think that he is one of those players that is too good for the Championship. we not quite at Premier League level, but with the way Fulham are going, chances are he's going to get another chance to prove us wrong next season.
0: I think he can play in the Premier League. I just think he needs a system that suits around him. And Scott Parker didn't want to play that last season. And that was clear. Controversial opinion. I think that Mitrovic might uh, break Ivan Tony's goal-scoring record this season. Controversial, I know. Um, In terms terms of Bristol City, obviously they were beaten by the better side. But I was really encouraged by their first-half performance. Semenyo's second goal was absolutely sensational. He looked like an animal, like... If he can real, you know, realize some of that potential and perform a little bit more like that on a regular basis, it's not just like it was the strength, that the pace, um, the ability to hold off men, and then the composure. The finish is fantastic in off the post as well. So both goals were really nice. The first one I think Rodak should have done better, and it wasn't great defended from Tom Kearney either. Back, uh, you know, back in a defensive position from a counter attack, but second was amazing and. When Bristol City are looking for a striker, if they can get Vyman and Semenya reducing that sort of quality, then they might not need one. So, let's see how that goes. And it sounds daft after losing 6-2, but we've seen Fulham can turn anyone over by four goals. So, I thought Bristol City probably performed the best of those teams that have been beaten by a four-goal margin by Fulham. Middlesbrough 2, Reading 1. Chris Wilder's men are now level on points with West Brom. Seven points off automatic promotion. In their last three games, they've scored in stoppage time in each of those. And it was Big Matt Crooks with two very Matt Crooks-like goals um, to get them back into this one. They deserved to win this game. It was Luke, Luke Southwood at his brilliant best. He's been he's been a real shining light in a dismal season for Reading. Um, he's he was at his best to keep them keep Middlesbrough at bay for for a lot large portions of this game. There was a, a save from a header in the second half, in particular, that was fantastic, and he very nearly kept out Crooks' equaliser as well. It was nearly a carbon copy of the save he did make previously. Um but excellent save from him. But Borough eventually got got the goal they wanted. Really good quality from Isaiah Jones again. I know we keep raving about him for the cross that Crooks headed in for the winner. And they've been busy in the in the January market as, as Neil Warnock predicted. Uh, Chris Wilde has been backed in the market. They've brought in Balogun, um Con- Connolly on loan from Brighton. And uh McGree's come back after his loan spell with Birmingham, and he signed permanently for, for Middlesbrough as well. Um, Equally, they are trying to balance the books. Iq Piazza has been told he can leave, which I am intrigued to see where that goes. I think that could be a really good snap-up for another Championship club. Onel Hernandez is left as well to go to Middlesbrough, uh, to go to Birmingham, sorry, from Middlesbrough. And there was a couple of others that have been told they can leave the club as well. So they are trying to balance the books. Wilder is reshaping the squad a little bit in January, which is not easy to do. But they're getting the results and certainly them and Middlesbrough, the form teams in the Championship right now.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Middlesbrough doing exactly what we expected, to be quite honest. They are doing just that. And we knew Chris Wilder would go in there and we we knew he'd make an immediate impact. And he's done exactly that. I didn't expect anything else, as I say. I mean, I think it's something like 24 points claimed from 30 or something along those lines. It's, it's just ridiculous. But it's, it's not unexpected, as I say. I mean, he's gone in there, he's made them hard to beat, he's made them resilient, he's made them He's made them attacking numbers, and it's what they do. It's what he did at Sheffield United, and he's, he's repeating it again here. I mean, it's four wins in a row now. It's four home wins in a row. That that was an area Middlesbrough did need to improve in their own patch, and they're doing exactly that. They won in the FA Cup late on, and like you say, three wins in a row now where they've won in injury time, so it shows that they've got the belief and the character to fight till the very end. And like you say, they've been busy in the market. I think Balogun, potentially, is a really, really exciting side. Four grand a week, right? It's big money. It is big money. But if they get from him what you would expect from him, it is a very, very good signing. I mean, I covered Arsenal for a little while and, and got to see quite a bit of him in terms of youth games and things like that, watching him. and There's a player in there with great potential. He scored a hell of a lot of goals at youth youth level for the under 23s for Arsenal. Of course, the Championship's a very different kettle of fish, but you can only prove yourself once you get the chance and now he's got that. So, Really intrigued to see how he gets on between now and the end of the season. But I mean, overall for Middlesbrough. Yeah, they've they've had to work hard in certain games recently against Reading, and Blackpool, for instance. Obviously grounded it out against Bournemouth, but they're winning these games, that's the thing. He's only he's only lost once so far, Chris Wilder. And it is like I say, it's to, to be what was expected. I think they've gained seven positions or something since he took over now. Like you're saying to the top six level with West Brom. I'd like to know actually what the comparison difference in points was because if you remember Neil Warnock's last game was actually against West Brom. It was. That yeah. 1-1 draw. I would like, actually like to check up on what the difference in points was between those two sides at the end of that game. But, I mean, what an effort Chris Wilder's achieving and let's be honest, I, I know we've said many times this season that this playoff race is wide open and anybody could sneak in there and I, and I still stand by that. There's a long way to go. But, I would not bet against Chris Wilder at another promotion to his CV with the way things are going. I really wouldn't.
0: Yeah, Reading in free fall as well. I want to talk about them a little bit. Seven obviously shipped in midweek, lost to Kidderminster Harriers in the FA Cup the week before. Um, and then a better performance here, but still conceding two late goals. And fans are very frustrated. Chance for Paunovic to leave the club, um, sat the board, all the usual things that come after such a dismal run of form. Wasn't helped by the fact that Liam Moore's now been stripped of the captaincy as well. Late last night, as we record on Sunday, um, because he wants to leave the club and he's made that clear. Liam Moore did dispute that with an Instagram post. I, I, would, I would state and put for the for the argument of the defence, but just not what you need um, at the club at the minute. And yeah, I do, I do feel for Pavanovic because I don't really know where he goes from here. Because I think he's done a quite. I think he's done a decent job at Reading overall, in my opinion. He led them to seventh, of course last season although they fell away at the playoffs and then this season he's been so badly handicapped first by the owners in the fact that their previous overspending got them a points deduction but also the, the incredible amount of injuries they've had I mean you couldn't write it I don't think there's been a club in the Championship that's had worse problems with injuries than Reading have in the fact they've lost all their attacking players for a, a spell of the season Azaria, uh, Lucas Schwaa still injured Puskas couldn't hit a barn with a banjo Halilovic has been injured. Hoylett's been out as well. Um, and then defensively, as well, like Morrison's not played much. Renamoto's had time out of the team as well, although he was back at the weekend. And they've, they've, they've just really struggled. I think Deli Bashir is out now as well. So they, they've really struggled. And their actual success rate in the transfer market, like those plays that they did bring in despite being under an embargo, was really good. But I totally understand that if you lose to non league opposition, you lose 7-0 and then you concede late twice at Middlesbrough after going ahead, there's going to be pressure and they are hovering just above the relegation zone because of the points reduction. In the short term, I think that if Reading made a change, they will stay up. But I also think there's a decent chance they'll stay up anyway because I think Panovic is a good enough manager to, and I think the squad's better than a lot of the... I don't think it's a good championship at the bottom this season. I don't think Hull are any good. I don't think Peter are. And I don't think Barnsley are either. The problem is Derby could catch them. Um, I think Hull are more likely to go down than Reading at this minute, even though Reading are in free fall. And I think Cardiff will probably get out of it as well. So Derby is the big problem for, for Reading because they could catch them. Um, I don't think any of the other three, other two teams have got the ability to string enough points together to do that. And I feel sorry for Panovic because I think if he'd not got this points deduction and I think if he'd got his squad available, of which he's assembled and which his success rate is good, I think they'd be higher in the table and I think they'd be a mid-table team, which is probably where they should be. But equally, the pressure and the problems at the club, it does feel like maybe a fresh voice would give them that new manager bounce just enough to give them enough momentum to pull themselves away. So I can understand it, but I feel sorry for Panovic, And if he does get sacked, I think... There's another world out there where they didn't get this points deduction, didn't get the injuries, and Reading are probably 12th in the league table. So that might not be a popular opinion with some Reading fans. I know that he's got his faults, no doubt. But I just think that the circumstances had to deal with and the performance levels we saw when he had got a fit squad and he had got the players available and didn't have so much off-field issues, he did a really good job with with what I thought was a, a relatively average squad last season. I think he overachieved getting them to seventh despite them falling away towards the back end of the season. So for me, I would like to see him stay. I think he deserves more of a chance um, and I think he's got enough credit in the bank for that. That said, I do understand that for a short-term perspective, I think in the short term, the best interest probably would be to make a change. But long-term, I still think he could be the right manager for Reading.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's a very, very difficult one to to weigh up and assess, even though we're most likely to get shot down by Reading fans for saying that. But like you say, at the minute, the, the picture doesn't look good. And it, it isn't good. They, they've had a really, really bad week. They've been knocked out of the FA, FA Cup by non-league opposition, thumped by Fulham, uh, and embarrassingly so. And obviously then blown a late lead at Middlesbrough. Uh, the, the, I think the concerning thing is, Reading obviously have they have had to ride a lot of injury issues. And they have. They've had a lot of problems in that sense. But at the same time, I don't think they've helped themselves in certain situations where I think the players that they've had available should have should have been doing better. For instance, when for example, just after Christmas, when they were two 0 up against Derby, a few minutes to go, a little bit game game management sees that game through. They get the job done. It's three points on the board.
0: Do you blame that on the manager though? In that sort of scenario, specifically, like that—that's game management of the players. There's enough senior players out there to see that game through.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Players have got to take their portion of the blame, but the manager has as well. It, it works both ways. Your winner's one and your loser's one. Um, but I think the concerning thing with Reading for me is is how, is how vulnerable they've become defensively. It's now 13 games without a clean sheet in League and Cup. That is, that is quite concerning. I mean, to be on that sort of run is, is torrid. They've only won two games in the league now since the 16th of October. I think the fans are right to question Valko Paunovic. I think he's certainly going to be under a sense of pressure. And like you say, I think in the short term, looking at it in the in the in the main aim of survival, I think a change would seem logical. But like you say, the long term aim and the long term goals of the football club, once they've got players back fit, such as Yeluka Zwalgia, Yaku Mates, it's a very different picture. And like you say, Paunovic last season for me massively overachieved. I think for me, it was probably certainly up there to be in contention for, for manager of the season in the Championship. But when things are not going your way and and things at the minute simply aren't, then there they do have to be questions asked and fingers pointed at the manager. But it's just such a hard one because I, I do agree with you in the sense that in the short term, it looks like the right thing. But in the long term, it doesn't. And obviously, there's still off-field issues rumbling on at Reading in the background that don't help. So, it's a case of who would they get, who would come in. But when you look at their next two league games, they've got to get points from these two. They have to. They've got Luton at home next. And then they've got Peterborough away. And that could be an absolutely massive game in the battle to stay in this division this season. And the way Peterborough are leaking goals, as we'll discuss shortly, it's got to be a game that Reading have got to take three points from. So at the minute, I can understand the fans' frustration. They are well within their right to be angry and be demanding the change. The Kidderminster result was bad enough, but then obviously what happened against Fulham was even worse. So it's it's problematic, but Reading, for me, I think they should stick with him for now, but it's a question of how much longer do you give him if things don't improve.
0: Yep, six more games to get through, so we're going to pick up the pace a little bit now. QPR 1, West Brom 0. Um, another game where West Brom just haven't taken their chances on the road. I think they've scored something in like six goals in their last nine away games, which is really concerning. Um, they had chances again in this one, but they just didn't convert them. Carl and Grant with a shot that somehow worked its way all the way across the line and not into the goal. Daryl DK came off the bench, but he's still building up his match fitness. Uh, once they get him up to full speed, hopefully he can be the difference. But then Charlie Austin at the back post with the, the sucker punch against his former club. And let's not be fair. This wasn't a smash and grab from QPR, but again, it's just familiar failings from a West Point point of view, where we've seen that they play well enough in games to win them. Don't take the chances, aren't converting the the clear cut opportunities, and then they're getting done on the break. Um, QPR were well worthy, and QPR won't come away from this thinking they didn't deserve to win. And I wouldn't say they didn't either. But for me, it's more about West Brom. Just again, familiar failings. They're down to fifth now in the table, I think it is, and they're just. They just don't look, you know, they really need to kick into Gisner because they could fall out the playoffs. They really could. You know, there's a lot of hope on Daryl DK, and I think he's an excellent player, an excellent signing. He'll fit what Ismail wants to do. But if he gets injured or he doesn't hit the ground running, they could fall out the playoffs. There's enough good teams. Nottingham Forest are coming around the corner. You've got other teams around the playoff picture. They could easily fall out. And for me, there's more chance of them falling out than them getting anywhere near the automatic promotion places right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I I spoke about, didn't I? West Brom after the, uh, I think it was after the defeat to Derby just after Christmas. Yeah. where I was saying, that I wasn't overly overly impressed with Valerie Ismael's attitude at the time, and he was a little just getting a little bit cocky for me in a sense that he thinks his side have got a god given right to win everything and this and that. But the truth is, West Brom over the last five or six weeks they, they've not been good enough. It's as simple as that. They've obviously. <laughs> Form tables and things are all jumbled up at the minute. The amount of games that we've had postponed and it seems like there's been big gaps between games. But West Brom's last four league games, dating back to the seventeenth of December, that goal I saw at Barnsley, they've scored one goal in four games, failed to win any of them.
0: I think For it's a side chasing promotion, it's really the issue.
1: Oh, it is without a doubt. It's it's two goals scored. I think it's two goals scored now in six away games. It's really, really concerning. I know it's definitely, it's definitely three away games now without a goal. And yeah, we we've raised questions all season long, haven't we, about West Brom's lack of the, an out and out number nine bagging the ball in the back of the net. But they've they've got other players that can do that. I mean, Dean garner has been pretty lifeless in comparison to what he was a couple of seasons ago. Jordan Hugel's not pulled up any trees. Options up front for me are, are players of the past. Now that is the thing that the. They have got to move with the times almost. And like you say, they're now at great risk of dropping out of the playoffs. They are, what, looking at it one point above Huddersfield in seventh. He's really concerned. And at the start of the season, West Brom looked like a side with such quality about them. But yeah, it's just, for me, at the start of the season, West Brom, they were playing with such a swagger. And such a belief, they won four of the first five. They were scoring goals in in, in a decent rate of knots. But since about the end of October, end of November, end of October time, they've just just lost that mojo and that feel good factor about them. And it's almost like they are waiting for somebody to ignite that charge that they've got. But the fact that they now find themselves one point above the uh, above the playoff places and. At one point above the above Huddersfield or outside of the playoff place, it shows that they are in, in great danger now dropping out. And they've got to book their ideas up and, and get their mojo back. So they've got to find a way to effectively put the ball in the back of the net more often. And that's the only way they're going to change things. So they'll be hoping that Daryl DK can do the job. But like you said, he's got to give a given time to get up to fitness and up to scratch.
0: Yeah, QPR have been adapting well. I think without the uh, without their players that are off away at the African Cup of Nations, Semi Dieng, um, Elias Chair and Co. Signed David Marshall this week from Derby, and he made his debut and a nice clean sheet to kick off his his Oz career. Um, decent signing for them. Derby County two, Sheffield United nil. Derby would be 10th without a points deduction and I cannot get over that that fact. Um, I think this could perhaps be the biggest overachievement in Championship history. They're now off the bottom of the table. Two spectacular goals in this game um, from from Tom Lawrence, their captain. The first one, I have to say, horrendous defending from Sheffield United and John Egan in particular. He, he brushes past Chris Basham like he's not there, but John Egan, honestly, you've got to put a foot in when he's got into the penalty area. That was awful, but Really good from Lawrence's point of view. Lovely finish. And then the second goal on the counter-attack. Festi Abisele, brilliant throughout the game. Driving run. And uh, a fantastic left foot curler from Lawrence. And he's the match winner that they need to get them out of trouble. And they're only eight points away from safety. And I keep saying the standard at the bottom of the championship is not great. They could do it. They really could. They need to be about... And I've worked out the maths. They need to be around between fifth and eighth in terms of the form table. They need to be a playoff challenger to get out of it but I'd have no confidence that the teams just above the dotted zone in terms of Reading, Cardiff, Hull City in particular are going to pick up more points than Derby between now and the end of the season and I think eight points is bridgeable I really do if they carry on going now what happens off the pitch is going to be vital as to whether they can do that but Wayne Rooney is doing a phenomenal job and for me no doubt manager of the season so far and clearly one of the biggest overachievements in Championship history when you consider the context of their squad was non-existent coming into the start of the season. Forget all the off-field issues and you you couldn't have more off-field issues and bigger problems if you tried. That squad and that team should be rock bottom with the problems they've had in terms of just building a squad. They've had players leave and then when you get dot twenty-one points, you have the big COVID outbreak that they had. They shouldn't have a chance in hell. How on earth have they been a top 10 team this season with the the circumstances they've had. Rooney, phenomenal job. Um, and probably the biggest danger to them um, staying up is perhaps Everton, given the fact they've sacked Rafael Benitez this afternoon. So we'll see where that goes. But honestly, you can't help but root for Derby at this point.
1: I'm lost for words by what way Rooney's achieving, to be honest with you. I'm going to go on a bit of a ramble here because I think they are a side that deserve one. At the start of the season, we were all lapping up Coventry City as being the side that basically we're going to win a lot of friends and we're going to be the neutral's choice this season and be the most admirable team in the division. I think Derby County have robbed them of that title in the last few weeks. It's unbelievable what Wayne Rooney is doing at Derby County. I mean, to have just got them off the bottom of the table is an achievement in itself, in my opinion, with how far adrift they were cut. Like you say, the squad at the start of the season was non-existent. It is unbelievable, to be quite honest with you. You look at some of the stats now that I've got in front of me now. Only Fulham, Bournemouth, Blackburn and West Brom have lost fewer games than Derby this season in the whole league. Fulham, Bournemouth, West Brom are the only three sides to have conceded fewer goals than Derby this season. Derby have won more games than anyone else in the bottom half of the league. Um, Sorry, I should readdress that. They've lost the joint least few games in the bottom half of the league, I should say. Obviously, they've got a better record than Peterborough and Barnsley, who joined them in the relegation zone by a considerable distance.
0: They've got a positive goal difference as well, which could be vital. Because when you consider it, that's almost as good as another point, really.
1: It is in the circumstances that they found themselves in. I mean, like you've just mentioned there, Everton have sacked Rafael Benitez. There's already rumours going round that Wayne Rooney is on their radar. If I was him, and obviously we don't know what the next, never mind the next months are going to bring, we don't know what the next few days are going to bring for Derby County at the moment. But if there is a guarantee that they can continue playing until the end of the season, which I really hope there is, if I was him, I would stay put. Because if he keeps that football club up in the Championship, there will be a statue built of him outside Pride Park. He will have cemented himself in Derby County folklore for the rest of his life and beyond. At the start of his tenure, I was very critical of it. You'll remember, I was failing to understand why Derby had gone for him. I thought in their situation last season when they were battling relegation, was very peculiar. I thought it was a giant risk and it very, very... They were awful last season, it's worth saying as well. They were really They were. What was it? Something like two wins between February and the end of the season? And literally limped over the line, which obviously me and you will remember only too well, for obvious reasons. But let's be honest. At the the minute, I would say he deserves manager of the season, without a doubt. You can talk about the impact that Steve Cooper's had at Nottingham Forest. You can talk about the impact Wilder's had. You can talk how well Tony Mowbray's done at Blyburn. But nobody has had to deal with circumstances like this. Nobody at all. And those players as well. I mean... What are they? They're eight points adrift. Obviously, there's a lot of football still to be played. If they go down in this vein, for example, literally fighting for their lives, they deserve such credit for the way they've applied themselves. They've refused to roll over. They've refused to accept that they're already done for. They've gone out there each and every week. They've played for the badge on the front of the shirt. They've been they've been excellent. And the performance against Sheffield United at the weekend was, was terrific. I mean, the two goals from Tom Lawrence were outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. I mean, you've raved about the first one. I love the second one. It was that that bending effort into the top corner and it was just it, you could just sense what it meant to the fans and the players all as one together. And I really hope for their sake that they can keep hold of Wayne Rooney because I'll tell you what, if he keeps them up that could rival Leicester's Premier League title when it's one of the greatest achievements in football and history in this country.
0: Big statement. Um, There's been more off the field issues, of course, for Derby. This week, Wayne Rooney was confident he could bring some players in. All was rosy after his Thursday press conference. Then the EFL blocked it, put them under a transfer embargo, stopped Phil Jagielka signing a new new contract and he's now gone to Stoke. Um, And they won't allow the sale to go through until one of the new prospective owners agrees to take on the potential debt from the court cases to do with Middlesbrough and Wickham and the loss of earnings, all to do with Mel Morris and the, the failing to comply with financial fair play. Now, the problem is, Derby don't think that Borough and Wickham have got a case, so they're not willing to settle. But they might have to settle, because otherwise, unless one of the new owners agrees to take on that debt, Um, whatever that may be, it might be £0, it might be tens of millions, we don't know. But unless someone agrees to take that on or to settle, Derby aren't going to get the sale through and they could get liquidated, they could not exist anymore. There's a parliament petition that's been set up and it's already got over 25,000 signatures at the time of recording. Um, Let's hope that there's some progress on that front for them in the near future. Peterborough 1, Coventry City 4. Coventry simply way too good for Peterborough in this one. First away win since October the 30th. Two fantastic finishes from Matty Godden, who's really in great form. Really loved his first goal. I thought that was a fantastic finish from a tight angle. Great pressing from Ben Sheaf to win the ball back. Um, Callum O'Hare, best player on the pitch in this one. He was excellent in the number 10 position, pulling all the strings. But Peterborough really bad as well, I do have to say. As much as I want to credit Coventry, and I did think they were great. Really bad goalkeeping from David Cornell for Hamer's long-range long strike. They definitely need an upgrading goal. They have you signed just... Swansea City's Stephen Bender for the rest of the season, but I'm not convinced that that's a big upgrade, given my comments about him earlier in the season, which upset a lot of Swansea City fans. They need a goalkeeper. They need to learn how to defend better. But Coventry were really, really good.
1: So, yeah, like you say, it was a, a big win for Coventry and one that they needed. It was actually their first since November the 6th, so it's in, in the league anyway. Obviously, they beat Derby in the FA Cup last weekend, but one that they desperately needed after a really, really patchy run of form. Not many two defeats in there. It was just more draws than anything. Four draws in six, but a win that they needed for Peterborough. I mean, I'm worried for them. I really I am. Mean, I expected better when they when they came back up last season, but it's just that defence. It's so, so fragile, isn't it? It's... It's been taken to the cleaners time and time again, and you look at look at Peterborough's situation now. And like you've said, we've said about the quality at the bottom end of the championship this season not being particularly great. Aside from what Derby producing, and on, on current form and the way things are going, I mean, there's only a only a five point gap between them now. You could sense Derby finishing above them quite easily, but and that proves it. Peterborough's goal difference minus twenty seven. Derby's plus one. It proves the difference now. Peterborough, fifteen defeats in twenty four games, just scored twenty one goals and only, only Barnsley and Hull have scored fewer. And when you think about what they I were doing they'd last lead season.
0: Goals. I just thought they would score more. Jack marriott has been absolutely awful. He's just been injured all the time or not play very well. Clark Harris's form, he's just not adapted to championship level. Dembele's been their only good attacker, really.
1: And that's been in flashes as well, hasn't it? It's not been as frequent as he would have liked. So it's clear that Peterborough, ultimately, as obvious as it sounds, and don't want to sound clever about this because it's blatantly obvious, it's a simple as fact. They are not good enough in either box. They don't score enough. They concede far too many. Um, and I, I can't see them staying up. I'm saying it now, 16th of January, long way to go still, but I just can't see it. I don't think they've got the quality. And at the end of the day, when you've conceded 48 times already, it just goes to show that you're in deep trouble and that's exactly what Peter Brar for me as well. I still do not understand the idea to give Darren Ferguson a long-term contract when he did. Really do not understand that decision at all.
0: Yeah, we both spoke out on that. I just think it was a very strange one. Lacked ambition. And And that is a completely weird stance for me because I'm always for keep the manager, give them more time, you know, consistency, patience. I just don't think he's done enough to deserve a contract for a club that wants to play in the championship and, Maybe they're happy to go back down and rebuild, but when it took them seven years to get promoted last time, I think that that's a big leap of faith and perhaps an incorrect one. Hull City nil, Stoke City 2. This was a really big win, but more so a really big performance for Stoke. Michael O'Neill cleared out a lot of players, made a lot of changes to the team after a poor run of form. Uh, DiMaggio Wright-Phillips starting up front with Jacob Brown. It makes you feel old, doesn't it? When not only is this the son of Sean Wright-Phillips, but of course it's the grandson of Ian Wright. So that makes you feel old when he's starting up front. Um, but yeah, Stephen Fletcher, Tyrese Campbell on the bench. Um, changes at the back with Jagielka coming in for his debut. And Tom Hintz, who played at right wing back recently, coming in and playing as a, a number 10. And he looked really good, really bright. Took his goal really well. Um, and I thought there was just a bit more energy in midfield from Stoke. Um, with you know with some of the praise of Rancic, but he's not the most mobile off the ball. And I think having Sam Clucas back in there, I thought he added quality, added industry, and it was a lovely cross from him for Jacob Brown's first. Although I have to say, awful defending from Hull City. And I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't think they're very good. Like I think there's a lot of people that seem to think that Hull will survive and that Hull are better than they are. But I don't think Hull are very good either. I think Hull are the third worst team in the Championship behind Peterborough and Barnsley. I mean, when you look at it, I saw a stat this week that. They won more points in November than they have combined the rest of the season. They took 12 points in November and they've got 11 points otherwise. There's no consistency to their performances and their, them winning points. And if the teams below them weren't worse than they were, they'd be in big trouble. I genuinely think Derby could catch them. I think they, I have more confidence in Reading and Cardiff pulling clear, but I'm not confident at all because there's no consistency to them picking up points. They had one really good run in November, and apart from that, they've been a relegation side. So they're a big concern for me. Obviously, the takeover is still dragging on. They were hoping to have it done by now, and January is e- eking away. Whilst they're they're waiting for the EFL to ratify that deal, you know, I work quite closely with the whole Daily Mail, and I do understand that's going to go through. There's no worries that it's going to fall apart, but they're losing time to get players through the door, and they really need them because you know they sold Josh McGinnis this week. I don't think he was brilliant, but it's one player less they've got in the squad. And there's just not enough goals in that team. Um, and I think they're a relegation team. They're, you know, if it wasn't for Derby having a points deduction, they'd be in the bottom three and they'd be deserved to be for me. So I, I just don't think... It's mean, just the first goal, just awful defending. But I do think Stoke were really good and it was a good performance from Stoke and, and needed one because they've been on a poor run. But, you know, if they can get a couple through the door, maybe in attacking positions or, or just get players fit again like Nick Powell... Vantage back in the team, then perhaps they'll they'll push up again and be challenging for those top six places.
1: I totally agree, I really do. With Hull City, I mean, we didn't exactly expect them to, to shine brightly on their return to the championship this season, but you would have expected slightly better. But like you say, their form is just so inconsistent. But without us having two dishes, that so consistently poor for long spells they really need to to find a way to score more goals that's a big issue it has been throughout the season i mean Keen lewis potter remains their their brightest spark you could argue i mean there's been but flashes yeah, on, wing now though from george honeyman at times but overall they've just lacked excuse me they've lacked quality in the final third and i mean grant McCann, it was it was always going to be a tall order for him but he earned the chance to have another stab at the championship. They stormed their way to the League One title last season in an extraordinary fashion, so he deserved the chance. But it's just not worked out this time around, and that's that's as simple as that. As for Stoke City, a victory they desperately just to just to keep them within touching distance of the top six, even though failing to win this one wouldn't have, uh, by any means, spelt the end of their playoff hopes, but. Looking at Stoke, they needed that one today. They really did. I mean, it's been three games without a win prior to this one, back-to-back defeats at home, but it's away from home where they are getting more joy at the minute. So, they've really got to turn things around at home. There's no doubt about that. And perhaps pleasing for them, two of their next three are away from home. So, that might actually uh, play into their hands and cheer them up a little bit. Next home game, next game is uh, Fulham at home. So, uh, they'll have to be at their very, very best to win that one, but like you said, it was a much improved performance from Stoke today. I thought the bits I saw, I thought there was a little bit of swagger about them at times. They looked full of energy in the middle of the park and they looked like they were up for it to me. Like they'd had a bit of a sit down and, and said, look, we need to get back on track. We didn't have the best time over Christmas and New Year. We need to try and get things moving again and they've done exactly that, albeit against the whole side. Admittedly, they're struggling but you can only beat what's in front of you and they've gone there, done that and Recorded a professional 2 0 away victory to make it back-to-back away wins, so uh, one that they needed, but they've got to build on it to maintain their standards. They're four points behind the the uh, playoff places, so two games in hand on Huddersfield, one game in hand on Middlesbrough and West Brom. So, not by any stretch, this is uh, not far from over. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just I just don't have much confidence in them picking up that many points between now and the end of the season. They've just had one good run, and outside of that, they've not been very good. Um, Cardiff City Nil, Blackburn Rovers won. Ten unbeaten for Rovers now and victory on their last four away games. Really weird watching this one back on the highlights with there being no fans in. It's it's not something that uh it's something that I'd put to the back of my mind, and it was a bit of a flashback to last season, which I didn't enjoy. Rothrell, really good goal, beautiful run, great finish, showing his quality and why. Like we need to get him tied down to a new contract ASAP or he's going to leave for free and be a bargain for someone. I thought Cardiff actually probably deserved something from this one on the highlights and the games' uh, chances. I thought they had enough opportunities to get a goal. And I think they probably deserve something. I think they've been better under Steve Morrison. I do think they've improved, but they've not really mustered enough points to prove that. No league win since the end of November is a concern. But when I look at some of the underlying numbers, 1.67 XG for this game, I do think that they're improving and I do think that they will pull clear. But they really need to get some players into some form. Obviously losing, Ryan Giles was a big blow. And I don't know what they'll be able to do in January. So I feel like they've got the biggest potential to shoot up the table and away from the relegation zone. But they need a little bit of luck and probably a little bit of resources to do so.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the loss of Ryan Giles was a huge one. It was, it was their most creative player. It was their most creative influx, and the 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 man that realistically was the man that was going to provide anything for them. So it was always going to be a big blow for them. But like you say, the performances haven't been that bad. I mean, the one-one draw at West Brom a couple of weeks ago. On another day, they probably won that game. The goal was a mile offside of West Brom's, so they would have won that one. Um, all right, they were outclassed by Bournemouth, but they got a point at Birmingham. They could have won that one. Edged out narrowly by Sheffield United. They've been close games, but in the grand scheme of things, for Cardiff, even though they've been in games and performing performing okay recently, they've won three games since the twelfth of September. It, it's not. It's not good enough. It is. It is a concern. There's no doubt about that. But like you say, I think based on the quality down at the bottom end this season, I think they will have enough to get out of it and pull clear. I do think they will stay up, but they've got to got to find a way to get wins on the board and quickly. They've got a big derby with Bristol City to come next weekend. Then they've got Nottingham Forest at home, so that'll be a really tough one. So it's uh, not going to get any easier for them in terms of the fixture pile up at the minute, but at the end of the day, they are currently out of the drop zone. They're def- Destiny's in their own hands. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. <coughs> I am sick of this. Choking every time I speak. Anyway. So yeah, their destiny is in their own hands. It's as simple as that. And like you've said many times, the quality at the bottom end this season is is not great. So you would expect them to get out of there. But you'd like to think they'll bring in one or two bodies before the end of the window. They've got a couple of weeks to try and get that done. But like I say, three wins into the 12th of September, they've uh, they've got to turn things around and quickly. It's just, it's not good enough, whichever way you wish to look at it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And finally, last game to, to go on, Millwall 0 Forest 1. I've no idea how this game had one goal in it. XG 1.46 of Millwall, 3.77 for Nottingham Forest. So they reckon this game should have five goals in it and it finished 1-0 because of a 90th minute goal. Um, really nice play from Brennan Johnson, my my favourite EFL player right now, um, with a driving run, feeds it into Zincanago, good chip, goalkeeper gets an arm in it and Lewis Graben taps it in. Ten goals for Lewis Graben since Steve Cooper came in. Um, he's really rediscovered his form and his goal-scoring touch, of course, scored the winner against, Notting- against Arsenal sorry, in the FA Cup third round last weekend. And I like the triangle they started with, with Graben, and Johnson interchanging Grabbins has got that ability to drop deeper in link play, and Keenan Davis leading the line. does mean that you struggle to get someone like Zinconagel in the team as well. But I think he's got options, and I like what Forrest are doing. I thought Millwall played all right as well, to be honest. I think if this game had finished 2 all, I don't think anyone would have had many complaints. But Forrest, the better team, clearly, created the better chances, the XG shows us that. And um, they keep on marching on under Steve Cooper. Another clean sheet to boot as well with Steve Cook. Coming into the team, clean sheet against Arsenal, clean sheet against Millwall. So he's slotted in nicely in the middle of that back three with Worrell and McKenna either side. And Forrest is going to be a real force for anyone as they charge to try and finish in the playoffs.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the impact that Steve Cooper's had has been remarkable, hasn't it? He's been absolutely sensational. He's got them playing such good football and proving so entertaining to watch. And it was proven with the Arsenal Cup upset last week. Left it late against Millwall, but probably did deserve it on the balance, even though I think a draw would have been a very, very fair outcome based on the chances Millwall carved out themselves. But when you're in that vein of form and things are going for you, it's those sort of moments that fall your way. And they did for Forrest and Lewis Crabbin. I mean, he'll never score an easy goal in his life, but they all count. And like you say, he's been resurrected under Steve Cooper. He's, he's really brought the best out in him. And him, Brennan Johnson together, I mean, what a combination that is. It's it's one of those that you can't take your eyes off and you you just in awe of what they're doing together. Such experience in grabbing the department and youth and energy and Brennan Johnson's. So really enjoying what I'm seeing from Forrest at the minute. I think his impact there, Steve Cooper's, has just been remarkable. I mean, I expected him to do something when he went in, but this has just been ridiculous level, to be honest with you. I really didn't see this coming, bearing in mind where they were when Chris Hewton was sacked. So they got that appointment, bang on the money, and I would go as far as saying that he is probably now one of, or maybe not, the best champion, manager outside the Premier League. I think he is destined for a Premier League job one day. Whether that'll be with Forest, who knows? But he's done a terrific job so far. Forest fans clearly love him, and understandably so. So hard to uh, say anything but positives about Nottingham Forest at the minute, and no doubt they'll be looking forward to. Uh, A couple of big fixtures coming up in in both the league and the FA Cup. Leicester, of course, could come in the FA Cup and Derby next weekend at the City Ground. I mean, what a contest that promises to be.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a cracking game. Two draws to quickly run you through. Preston 1, Birmingham 0. Scott Hogan rescuing a late point for Birmingham in that one. And then Huddersfield 1, Swansea 1. Very much a game of two halves. Huddersfield better in the first half. Probably should have been clear by two or three goals at half-time. Um, and then Swansea came back much stronger in the second half. Some really good saves from Lee Nichols before. Flynn Downs got his first goal for the club to get them a point. And that rounds off this weekend's Championship action. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. To finish off the podcast, we're going to do our Shocks and Bankers now for the upcoming weekend. There are a few games littered in midweek, um, but not a full slate by any means. So looking ahead to next weekend, George, what have you got as your Shock and your
1: Banker? Well, next weekend, in terms of a banker, I'm going to go with Bournemouth to get back on track. Uh, home to Hull City. Can't see anything other than a routine Bournemouth winning that one. Uh, they'll be determined as well, of course, to get back to winning ways after letting a point slip at Luton so late on. So, Bournemouth for my banker. Uh, in terms of my shock, this will probably uh, surprise a few people considering how critical I've been of them earlier on. But I'm going to go for Reading to beat Huddersfield. Huddersfield been doing very, very well at the minute, been. In excellent form I think it's something like seven or eight unbeaten in league and Cup for them Reading of course in a real slump but just got a sneaky feeling that this one could uh, upset a few betting slips at the weekend so I'm going to go for Reading to beat Huddersfield as a shock this weekend
0: I've gone for West Brom to beat Peterborough at home I think we, we all know how awful Peterborough are on the road West <laughs> Brom have been better at scoring goals at the Hawthorns than uh, away from home and I fancy them to get on the score sheet here and then for my shock, I've gone for Borough to win at Blackburn. And that, that, that's going to be a really, really good game between That did cross two my mind. Teams. Yeah, that's going to be a really good game between two teams. Probably will end in a draw, actually, if I'm honest. But I'm going for my shock for Borough to, to beat Blackburn at Ewood Park to end that unbeaten run. It's got to come to an end at some point. Blackburn are a really well, good course. team. Middlesbrough are a really good team. Should be a cracking game. Um, but that's what I've gone for as my shock. And that marks the end of this week's Championship Chat podcast. If you do enjoy the podcast, please make sure you subscribe in your usual podcast apps and make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at champchatpod24. Sharing the podcast helps go a long way to helping us reach new listeners. So if you do enjoy our weekly breakdowns, please do drop a retweet on when the episodes go live every Monday. You can support this podcast as well with our Ko-Fi page, contributing the cost of a cup of coffee towards our monthly overheads on a one-off basis. The link to donate is in the podcast description if you do feel so inclined. Have a great week and we'll catch you next Monday for another episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. This is the Championship Chat Podcast.
1: Your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier.